Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi, it's great to be here. The Get Off Your Affirmation podcast is a call to action. Each week, we will challenge you to take an in-depth look at your old habits and beliefs and find out whether they're helping you or blocking you from achieving your highest goals. We will also provide loving support and innovative tools to guide you toward greater levels of creative fulfillment, self-acceptance, and inner peace. Today, our topic is spiritual growth and evolution. How do we grow spiritually? What tools or techniques will help us reach our desired goals? How do we know we're on the path that will bring us the greatest fulfillment? Well, in searching for some resources, I came across a blog post written by an author named Jim Lockard. He is the author of a book called Creating the Beloved Community, a Handbook for Spiritual Leadership. Well, I saw one of his blog posts, and it's called The Biggest Obstacle to Spiritual Growth. And he touched on a universal topic that is, I think, very important to all of us. And I would like to explore that in this episode. You know, I have been in the ministry for over 35 years. And during that time, there have been so many books and so many workshops and disciplines, all designed to promote spiritual growth. But it seems that in the past 20 years, that phenomenon has lost a lot of its luster. So many of the workshop leaders and authors who were so sought after at one point, including myself, no longer seem to be drawing the crowds that we once did. Not only the book industry, but the workshop industry has fallen off drastically. We've been thinking about reasons for that for a long, long time. I mean, does it mean that we know all the answers about how to experience spiritual growth? Does it mean that we've heard it all before and don't have to pay more money to hear it again? Is it possible that many of us have come to the conclusion that one more book or workshop is not going to motivate us to make the changes that we continue to hear about. I think a feeling of burnout is common. You know, trying multiple methods or philosophies or or sets of steps that promise big things and can come up short. That feeling can be really disappointing. It can lead to feelings of not being good enough to improve ourselves, like like there's something wrong with me because I can't get these methods to work. And often, there's also a big disappointment in the actual teachings themselves. Yes, the disappointment in the teachings is an important factor. If we believe that all of the promises were false promises, and there's really no way that we can get ourselves out and that all of those teachings are really fake, there have been people in New Thought over the years who have left the New Thought discipline because they felt that The teachings just didn't work. But the issue that Jim Lockhart addresses in this blog post is the disappointment in ourselves once we figure out that no book or teacher, no matter how great, can motivate us to do the work because motivation comes from within us. 
Yeah, that's true. It's not necessarily that people have been burned out by the material. It's just that the whole New Thought community is coming to terms with the fact that we're the only ones who can put these programs to use. We as individuals are the only ones in charge of doing that work. And this is how Jim Lockhart begins his article. He says, The common answer in New Thought circles to the question, what is the biggest obstacle to spiritual growth, is myself. While that is true, it's also the answer to the question, what is my biggest asset in seeking spiritual growth? The self is the vehicle for all development or lack thereof. So we need to be a bit more specific in answering the question. So in other words, he's saying that we can either be our own best friend or our own worst enemy. Yes, we realize that no matter how many self-help tools we've learned, they're going to remain in our toolbox until we delve into the mystery of what is blocking us from applying them in our everyday lives. So the question becomes, why are we not anxious to apply what we know and make changes for the better? Where does the resistance come from? So here's an important quote from Carl Jung, one of the greatest psychologists of the 20th century. There is no coming to consciousness without pain. People will do anything, no matter how absurd, in order to avoid facing their own soul. One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. This is a very powerful quote because it speaks to the human condition. It addresses the issues of why humanity is so resistant to change, which might involve discomfort. We just don't want to be uncomfortable, and we resist it as hard as we can. Yeah, it's really scary to be uncomfortable. We associate discomfort with something that's wrong. Discomfort is often painful, confusing. It can be dangerous. It feels like we're delving into deep, dark places which are not at all positive and could leave us stuck in a place where we can't get out. Well, delving into the darkness and into the negative without understanding a purpose for it has often led us to deep depression and negative thinking. It's, it's often an exercise in futility because it seems that we're involved in negative thinking and can't find a way out. But what if we were willing to delve into the dark side of our consciousness with the understanding that its purpose was to bring that darkness into the light, not about wallowing in the darkness or in self-pity, but by observing, analyzing it, taking it into meditation, all of these ideas, with the desire of transforming them, blessing them, recognizing them as teachers in our path to greater unfoldment. Dan Millman says, every positive change, every jump to a higher level of energy and awareness involves a rite of passage. Each time, to ascend to a higher rung on the ladder of personal evolution, we must go through a period of discomfort, of initiation. I have never found an exception. You've been talking about this for years, and it makes perfect sense to me, but why do most of us still believe that there should be another way to make that transformation? In the Carl Jung quote that you read before, he says, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. 
That really struck me because we do believe that if we focus on the light, we'll get more light, which certainly has value, but there's much more to it than that. In order to generate light, we need to be willing to transform the darkness. One of my favorite analogies involves cleaning the refrigerator. No matter how many times we can affirm a sparkling clean and fresh refrigerator, it will not manifest unless we're willing to go in there, get our hands dirty, and clean it out. That's what this transformation is all about, letting go of our fear of the darkness and understanding that we're strong enough to transform the darkness into light. Here's what Jim Lockhart says. We must accept and deal with the uncertainty of spiritual development if we are to grow. We never really know our interior spaces and can only guess at the future. Intention and spiritual practice help guide us toward what is best for us, but it is like a moving target in a fog. Spiritual mastery is about accepting uncertainty as the nature of things, while accepting the certainty that spirit exists and is always within us. Matthew, will you read that last sentence again? Because that sentence is the heart of what we're talking about today. Yeah, spiritual mastery is about accepting uncertainty as the nature of things, while accepting the certainty that spirit exists and is within us always. Yes, so we accept the spiritual power that exists within us, and we accept that it will sustain us through the uncertainty of life. It's a big shift in mindset. This prevalent belief that the darkness represents a place we don't want to enter because it could easily threaten our survival. Throughout history, there have been illustrations in drama, literature, art, and in scriptures about staying away from or having to smite the forces of darkness. Darkness has been seen as our enemy, and human beings have been seen as weak and sinful. So, we've been taught that we must affirm the light and stay away from the darkness. This is a mindset that depicts darkness as always being evil and depicts humanity as being too fragile to deal with it. So many times in New Thought, we hear, don't dwell on the negative, don't give power to anything but affirmations of light. (sighs) You know, to be quite honest with you, I would be more than happy to meditate on my sofa about the cleanliness of my refrigerator if I saw that it made a change. But it doesn't, because that's not the way it works, no matter how much I might believe it. Because the darkness is much more than detrimental, and our human nature is much more than fragile. In other words, we need to have a grasp on the nature of darkness and the nature of evil. Then we need to understand ourselves as powerful beings capable of exploring the realms of human consciousness and taking responsibility for both our flaws and virtues. So, let's talk about the nature of darkness. The darkness, which most of us think of as all negative, is really unexplored territory, isn't it? There are so many things that are in the darkness that are extremely valuable and can provide valuable information for us if we're open to looking for it. I think a good metaphor for this process is an archaeologist trying to unearth a valuable fossil buried in the earth. 
Oftentimes, only tiny fragments of something can be seen poking out of a rock, or things are accidentally discovered when people are digging for something else. But once something is found, the process can be grueling, as slowly the rock is scraped and dusted and picked away so that only the fossil remains. I loved dinosaurs as a kid, and I remember watching these documentaries where these archaeologists are on their hands and knees with tiny picks and brushes trying to dig out these bones without destroying or damaging them. Oftentimes, these fossils are found in places with very harsh conditions, so not only are they doing this tedious, difficult, and highly stressful work, they're doing it in in a hot desert under a burning sun. Of course, the end result of this struggle could be a new discovery to science or some kind of rare find that can be the proudest work of someone's career. That is really important information. The archaeologists and those who devote their lives to this work go into it because they know they're looking for buried treasures, and they have every reason to believe that they're going to find them. But See, this idea doesn't seem to translate to our own personal experiences. We believe, or we fear, that there's going to be some monster in the darkness that will destroy us, and we're afraid of the dark. Another analogy I thought of was the bulbs or the seeds that are planted in the darkness of the underground, and the fact that we don't see any of their growth, but the growth can only take place in the darkness. For us as human beings, the growth that takes place in the womb forms and shapes who we are. There's so much about the darkness that has value. And yet, as I've said before, as human beings, we have been taught, uh, especially by religious leaders, that our essential nature is dark, that spirituality is something far away from us, and we have to beg or work hard at becoming the light so that we can take part in it. We're always reaching for a goodness or a light that we don't believe we have. And so we feel insecure. There are times when we feel powerless. There are times when we feel that we're going to be enveloped by the darkness instead of blessed by it. And so this is part of the human condition that takes us to the concept of evil. What is evil? Well, uh, there are many who still believe that evil is separate from God, that evil is something inherently bad that has forces in it that will keep us from our good or that will hurt us or harm us or that are inherently bad. But you see, we in New Thought don't believe that there is something inherently bad because we believe that there's one creative force, one presence, and one power that we call God the good. That presence is the creative force and is inherent in all creation. There is nothing inherently bad. There is nothing inherently separate from God or good. So then we have to say, how do we define evil based on that understanding? 
Well, we define evil as ignorance. Ignorance that is solved by living life, making thorough self-examination, being awake and fully present to life, being able to make choices based on the goodness that is inherent within us. Evil is the result of not knowing, not really knowing who we are and the power we have within us, not really knowing and understanding the nature of other things and the power they have, going into nature and seeing something that looks tasty and eating it and finding out that it was poison and it could hurt us or that we're allergic to it. This is not because the plant itself wished us harm, but because we didn't understand that the plant carried properties that we were allergic to. This is all part of discovery. Discovering what it is that we're capable of. Discovering how to control or master our responses. Understanding how to relate to other things and other people. Without that knowledge, which is based in experience and prayer and meditation and other disciplines of self-knowledge and self-acceptance, without those things, we make mistakes by either overestimating or underestimating people or things or nature or machinery all the time. We believe in new thought that there is nothing that is evil in nature. However, there are times when, because of certain disabilities or mental illness or lack of awareness, that people will do things or want to do things in order to hurt us. There are times when we might have wanted to hurt people too, but not because we're evil, because we're hurt, we're afraid, and we're responding with a, a reptilian brain, a primal brain that believes that our survival is at stake. And so we need to know those things. We need to be aware of those things. We need to remember that no one is bad by nature. No one is outside the realm of God. There are behaviors that we need to be aware of. There are situations that we don't want to walk into. There are times when we need to exercise our good judgment, but there is never a time when we or anybody else is outside of the realm of God, of spirit. We are inherently good by nature. We have a light and we have power within us. We have spiritual gifts, and none of those can ever be destroyed by ignorance. So we have more power than we think we do. And and even if it's really hard to, to believe it at the time, we have the strength to navigate even some of the darkest situations, right? Absolutely. And one of the hardest things to do is for us to shift our mindset from a place of helplessness, from a place of evil being darkness, to an understanding that Darkness is an opportunity to discover so much more of the treasures, the buried treasures that are inside of us. I want to give a shout out to our poet laureate at Unity of San Luis Obispo, Francesca Nemco, 
who has been teaching a class for a number of years called Excavating Your Buried Treasure. She does it through creative writing. She does it through giving people prompts about the human condition and each of them going into their own soul, finding ways to respond to those prompts and discovering things about themselves, about their desires, about their beliefs, about their talents that they didn't know they had. It is a wonderful opportunity to reframe those old beliefs about the darkness. And so rather than insisting that we remain in our comfort zone and trying to push away all of those great self-help techniques and tools that we've learned over the years and and all of those wonderful books that have given us insights as to how to work with self-discipline in order to become our best selves, now all we have to do is get off our affirmation and actually do them. Actually do them. Yeah, if we don't have to be afraid of being overwhelmed by the darkness, then we have a lot of opportunity to make a positive change in our lives. Yes, but we have to make it. We are the ones, through self-directed effort, to understanding the Spirit of God as the divine I am within us, to know that there is so much goodness and power there waiting to be discovered, that ideally would give us the incentive to want to move through the darkness and excavate some of that tremendous buried treasure that's within us. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please connect with us on our Facebook page and on our website at getoffyouraffirmation.com. We really look forward to hearing from you. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.